This week, Brother Kilman continues the series in Corinthians, covering chapters 12 and 13. <laughs> well, I, I love coming to... I, this is what I want to do tonight. I would like to just dive off and uh, maybe just do a little bit of study. Um, it's good to um, just kind of go into God's Word and kind of chew a little bit, right? And we're going we're gonna to look at some fun things tonight. Uh, out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, um, I have um, I had 60 slides. Some of our pictures, Brother Juan. So the Lord is able. The Lord is able. I, I promise uh, we're going to uh, cut off at a good time. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start uh, quickly. We're just going to jump through and look at kind of what the Word of the Lord has to say for us. Um, Paul's going to talk about the spiritual gifts. And then he's going to talk about the primacy of love. Right? Anybody ever heard of 1 Corinthians chapter 13? The love chapter. You know, it's like, um, we only read that at weddings or something. It's terrible. So we're going to look at actually what Paul meant. It's good for marriages, Sister Hannah. I'm not, you know, just saying it. Not that we... What are you laughing at? I just meant, should the Lord use our sister to... If you're officiating a wedding, like I was about to say... A couple of weeks ago, uh, it's good. You can use it, Sister Troxel. But, uh, you know, it probably, as preachers, man, I just backed into something there. I apologize. Uh, uh, as preachers, we should probably talk about 1 Corinthians 13 more than just at weddings. Turn to your neighbor say, it's more than weddings. Thank God. Okay. All right, so let's look at the text. We'll dive in. I'm just going to kind of jump in and go kind of through the text. We'll see, we'll see what the Lord says to us. The, uh, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren's, uh, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, now what is he talking about? Uh, Paul's go, uh, in this verse, when it says con- uh, concerning spiritual gifts, um, the gifts in italics, but it's implied because of the context. Now what that means is he's not just talking about like, ooh, gifts. He's talking about all the gifts. Gifts of administration, uh, like a, a turn, uh, now I'm going to do a little work tonight, and uh, this will help us kind of resist some false things in our movement so that we can be who God wants us to be as his body. Because we're, he, Paul's whole theme is we're all members of one body, okay, in this particular section of Scripture. And so um, Jesus walked around on the earth and did all sorts of wonderful things. We were talking about uh, be exalted and seeing that, but seeing that with understanding. Be exalted in my life. Okay? Help me walk in concert so much with your will and your purpose that my life is glorified. Okay? Uh, and be exalted higher and higher. He's already at the right hand of authority. There's no higher than he can go, but he can go higher by the continued ministry of his people on the earth. So lift up the name of the Lord. And that means more than just kind of holler out Jesus means to go out here and actually be the people that God wants us to be. Okay, so what Paul's going to deal with is he's saying uh, all of the gifts. And by the way, that means uh, your pastor is a gift. And by the way, it's a gift of the Spirit, gift of administrations, okay? So let's dive off real fast, okay? So um, we have, if we're not careful, we can build kind of our own little idolatrous understanding of gifts, and, and that's what's happened at Corinth. They're standing around in the church and everybody's got to speak in tongues. They're really enamored with this big public vocal thing. 
And, and Paul is saying, that's not what I've called you together to do. I've called you together as a body that you might be edified, that the gifts in, in operation in the church would edify one another, not build up personalities. Okay, so he's going to handle a lot of things. And so what Paul said is, I, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, remember, this is a rebuke from the apostle because uh, they, like we've talked about before and we've heard through this whole lesson, uh, they think that they're somehow able to, uh, or they be in a, such a spiritual position, they no longer even need to listen to their spiritual father, who's the Apostle Paul, right? So when he turns on the uh, rebuke, Brother Cole, he's saying, uh, you have professed knowledge. In chapter 8, he talks about that. You're puffed up with knowledge. You think knowledge is somehow, and oh, and if you're knowledgeable, he says, now let me test your knowledge. And he walks him. Uh, through the issues. But he says, now you say you're very, very brilliant. You say you're spiritual. He said, let me test how that works. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now catch that. That's an implied rebuke because you've said that you're so knowledgeable, but in actuality you're not. He says, you know that when you were uh, Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, uh, he says, even as you were led. So he's taken him back that um, uh, you were in the past uh, and, and remember, he's already said idols are nothing, right? You've been carried away by nothing, all of this false worship and false things. So now that you've finally gotten the church, how about you don't get into more false things? And he goes further in chapter 10, he had talked about how that there's a spirit, a demon spirit behind idolatry. And he said, oh, now catch what Paul's saying. He's saying, you're being led away. You were led away by idols, which are nothing in this world except for the real, and there was, and by the way, real spiritual encounters, it was just demonic. Right? And he's going to deal with that in the next few verses. He said, we don't want the same thing to happen uh, in the church. All right, so what he goes on to say, Wherefore I give unto you uh, to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God Called, calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that because uh, Jesus uh, is Lord, no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now what's Paul saying? He's saying you're dealing with real spiritual dynamics. Right? And so he's going to make the point, he said because of these influences, and there in Corinth, remember they're into all sorts of paganism, and that means people would come into the church and uh, they would say, um, uh, Jesus, uh, anathema, uh, Jesus, right? Or Jesus is accursed, right? And he's saying, uh, when people come in to the congregation and they're from some of this pagan stuff and they say these horrible things, guess what? That is not of God. Everybody went, duh. Right, but then Paul goes on to say that no man can say that Jesus is Lord also, but by the Holy Ghost. So Paul says, okay, because of these dynamics, I'm going to tell you what can and cannot be done in the Spirit. Right, now what does that mean? It means the entire sphere of spiritual giftings were given limits and balances. Oh, well, you're just against the moving of the Spirit. No, I'm apostolic. And if it's not of God and it doesn't match what Paul says, then guess what? We reject anything that calls itself spiritual. Why? Because you don't know. It might be somebody uh, presumptuously getting into something, or it could be something demonic. 
I don't have time to go uh, tell uh, the story tonight, but Brother Mooney uh, uh, encountered a, a particular place where a woman was used in tongues and interpretation and come to find out it was something demonic that he had to deal with in the middle of a church service. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, don't fool around with that stuff. That means you don't need to be intimidated. You have to understand that everything that comes along down the pike and says it's spiritual ain't spiritual. Right? And don't be deceived. Okay? And then, he, and then uh, further than that, he says, it's equally impossible for anyone not speaking from the Spirit. You cannot confess truly Jesus is Lord. Now, what does Paul mean by that? Well, he means that you cannot know that your confession is true unless the Spirit bears witness. Well, what does that mean, Brother Kimmel? It's very simple. Paul says in Romans 8, 16, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It looks like this in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I wish I had time to pop up tonight. You can look it up yourself. Way back in 2006, they were doing a, 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 a brain scans on people that spoke in tongues. And they uh, examined parts of the brain, Brother Ross, and they showed in these brain scans where someone, uh, uh, a lady was singing, and then uh, she began to worship, and then she began to speak in tongues. And they say cognitive ability, uh, that part of the brain uh, that's stimulated when you're talking and thinking, was actually enhanced, except for when you spoke in tongues, and then it would stop, it would reduce. Now, they said when they looked at certain forms of uh, Buddhism and other types of prayers like that, it actually increased. Like saying the rosary. But when people speak in tongues, uh, Dr. Newberg, I think his name was, uh, you look it up yourself, he said that ultimately what has been claimed by Pentecostals is actually now scientifically proven. Why? Because you cannot say that Jesus is your Lord unless somehow by the Spirit you have that witness. That's why every believer has to speak in tongues because you cannot call him Lord until you're filled with his Spirit. It's good to have a mental profession, but you have to let the Spirit confess uh, that it's true. And that's what Paul's dealing with. Now, and so he goes on to talk about there's diversities of gifts, uh, but the same Spirit, differences of administration. Everybody say the same Lord. He says there's diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. Now, that, that word there, operations, Brother Santander, uh, in the Greek, it's where we get our English word, energy. Now, what is he saying? He's saying all of these gifts are of God's Spirit. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to deal with some things tonight where people would say, well, uh, they, when they spoke in tongues in the Bible, uh, it was always, Sister Troxel, they would say, a known tongue. Some of our wonderful Baptist friends would say that. Oh, no, no, no. They, they spoke in a known tongue. They just learned a different language. They spoke in another tongue. They said, well, that's interesting. Paul, Paul said that the person speaking in tongues um, doesn't know what he's saying. Unless somebody interprets it, he says, uh, my understanding is unfruitful. I guess it's unknown to the speaker. Okay, now what, is, <laughs> what does that mean, Brother Kilman? Well, it refutes the, the idea that somehow it had to, it, no, it's of the Spirit. Uh, we talked about uh, this at IBC. Forgive me, Brother Santander, for mentioning this again. The problem with Corinthians, Brother Lopez, as we look at it, is a whole lot of stuff has been written by people that have never even experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They have no frame of reference. 
right? And they've never even prayed for this, let alone uh, experienced it uh, themselves. I'll give you another thing. So Paul says, uh, the same God worketh all. All of these things are worked, you ready, in all of you. How many of you are filled with the Holy Ghost? Right? That means every one of you that have, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess with you. No one has residency in the gifts. I, God gave me the gift of healing. Great, what did he heal you of? No, no, I mean, God gave me the gift of healing. Oh, that's awesome. Well, if that's true, then morally you have an obligation. If you can command healing outside of the will of God, then you have a moral obligation to go with me. Uh, Jane Clary, we could, you could get us in there because you're at Marion studying medicine and nursing. You could tell us where the worst cases are. And if I had the gift of healing, I would be morally obligated maybe to spend eight hours a day at Riley Hospital. That's not what God is saying. Paul said God worketh all, all of these gifts, all of these administrations, all of these things. Why? Because I'm making you all the body. And by the way, I work in all of you. And that means everyone can do it. All right? You don't channel God. Okay, I'll behave. Okay? Uh, so he chooses uh, to work uh, in us. And then Paul says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. He said, so God uses us in giftings. He uses a pastor. He uses a prophet, a teacher, or, or someone with, uh, uh, he gives gifts uh, uh, through the particular people for the benefit of the whole body. Right? So he says for, for, uh, to one in verse 8, is given the spirit of the, the word of wisdom. Now what does that mean? It means the Lord, the, the Greek word is Sophia. It's wisdom outside of your natural capability. Uh, it's, it's watching God somehow drop something in someone's life that is beyond their capability. Why? Because he's working for the edification of the church. It's watching people rise beyond their human capacities and lead in ways, Brother Lopez, with such wisdom they could never get on their own. And that's what it takes. So God is saying, I'm making you, I put you in Corinth so that you would be my body there and you would accomplish uh, this incredible task of reaching out into these neighborhoods and making a difference, right? That's what they were doing in there in Corinth. We got the same thing. How many of you think we're dealing with like Corinthian culture part two? And the only way to deal with that, you're not going to counsel that? Oh, Lord, help me. See, this is very hard to do, Brother Lopez, because there's so much in these two chapters. He says, a man that speaks in tongues edifies himself. Now, what does that mean? The Greek word edify, Brother Santander, is to build up. When you speak in tongues, he says, in the spirit, you build yourself up. Now, he's not talking about the gift of tongues there. He said, but in a church service, it's better that you would prophesy. You ready? Somebody get up and preach. I'm going to prove that to you. That is preaching. He says, uh, not only a word of wisdom to another word of knowledge by the same spirit. Again, that's uh, uh, knowledge that goes beyond just the merely human. How many of you have ever been in a service? Uh, this is so fun. Um, if you don't teach Bible studies and witness to people, bring them to church, you are missing out. I'm telling you, it's so fun. Uh, how many of you have ever brought somebody to church? You've been talking to them. We had this wonderful little sweet girl named Carol. Um, uh, we were witnessing to her, and, and we're sitting together in church, and she's there, all her family are there. And, uh, and I tell you, it's like Brother Mooney had sat in the car and rode with us on the way to church and took his whole text, uh, Brother David, on her life. 
Now she was brand new, just in church, and she keeps looking over at me with these eyes, you know, like, what in the world? And I was like, Carol, I said, you know, that's, that's God, right? And she said, yes, that's scary. I said, no, it's not scary. It means God spoke to the preacher tonight so that he could preach what you needed to hear so you know that he's invested. See, and that's what giftings are for. It's not to lift up personal ministry and say, oh, what a great preacher. But that little girl that's struggling, making hard decisions in the face of all of her family that are against her to stay in church gets the encouragement she needs to stay right there on the pew and I'm doing the right thing. And God, the God of the universe is on my side. And that's the power that's available uh, here. And that's what Paul's dealing. He says, and then the terrible thing is, is he says, the other are working miracles to another prophecy, another discerning of spirits, another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. He said, all of this stuff happens, he said, to edify the body. And here's the problem at Corinth. Instead of letting it build this incredible unity and strength around God and encouraging people to walk with the Lord, instead of them being the the church that would be in such a spiritual powerhouse that they could deal with all of the spirits that were out there that are going to walk in. Instead, they're propping up their own ego. They're worried about who gets the credit. They're, they're bringing divisions into the body of Christ. You know, who's the best preacher? Who's the best minister? You know, oh, they can't preach like I can, Brother Ross. And sometimes, and I know we're young, right? And so maybe sometimes you're singing and you're like, oh, my Lord, they're looking, listening to Why don't you get up and sing that? At least they're up there, you know. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, every once in a while, ego gets involved. Well, they're not as good as praise, you know, whatever. Like, you know, get over yourself. We're not in here trying to impress each other with our singing. We're in here trying to say, how can we bring people into an encounter with God that will change their life? And you can't counsel that. You can't, you can't uh, encourage that through some type of charisma. You just ain't that powerful. But if you ever connect to the unity of what God can do in his church when we're a whole, I'm going to tell you, it's very different. You can watch when there's egos at work. The music doesn't work together. You feel a bad spirit. You don't feel anything out there. It's all discombobulated. When there's egos at play, like one preacher got up, Brother Lopez, he said, I don't know how Paul wrote that epistle without my notes. I think I'd have got up and walked out and went and had a peanut butter parfait over here. My wife would have killed me after that service. Honey, I love you. Pow! You know, repent. I'm about to, you're about to meet Jesus or something. You know, and so all of these egos, you ready? They get in the way. And, and, they, and they suck up the, uh, like sucking up the air out of the room. No one can breathe because of these egos strutting around. I'm a prophet. I'm an apostle. You know, how about you're just a servant of the Lord? And we're trying to bring, you know, as one man said, we're all just beggars. Telling other beggars where to find the bread. And we're bringing them not to encounter us, but to encounter Christ. And he does that with his church. Okay, now I'll, I'm trying to behave. So um, uh, that's what Paul's dealing with. So he's talking about, he says, when prophecy comes forth, or, or when uh, tongues come forth, uh, you, turn to your neighbor say, judge it. Uh, but judge not, Brother Kilman, lest you be judged. By yeah, let's quote that out of context. That's awesome. I, I'm try, I try to behave. Bad Bobby's coming out tonight, Brother Lopez. But it's like people quote scriptures in halves and then have nothing to do with what Jesus is even talking about. But Paul says, you need to be such a spiritual place that you can deal with the whole of reality. And the whole of reality is that there is a spirit world. 
And the whole of the reality is that we have a real enemy and we're here to deal uh, kind of warfare with somebody and pull them, as Jay, uh, uh, Jude says, or James says, rather like firebrands from the fire. We're, we're in a fight with hell, Brother Cole. And when people walk in, uh, man, they may have struggled just to get in the church. And they don't need ego, right? And I'm just, we're talking. I'm not preaching at you or anything. But, you know, they don't need ego. They, they got people, you don't know the hell they've been fighting. Before. They struggled just to get the church. And they don't need more ego. They need a real church connected to the power of God because our ego is set aside so that the whole may be ministered to. Okay, I'm trying to behave. Okay? All right, so prophecy, you know, even, even the gift of prophecy. And by the way, it's not just foretelling events, but it's also foretelling. Uh, or, or what we would call preaching under the inspiration of the Spirit. I've had wonderful men and women of God stand in a pulpit and preach right to me. I was a backslider sitting uh, on the back row of my old church I was raised in, and those two preachers didn't, first time they came to our church, they preached right to me, Sister Troxel, and I felt the overwhelming touch of God, and that was prophecy. That's what it means too. It doesn't mean just predicting. You got that too, but that's all right. You got Agabus in the New Testament. But it's also spirit-filled preaching. And by the way, Paul says, I'm giving priority to this gift over tongues. Why? Because in a church service, turn to your neighbor, say, in a service, it benefits everybody. Okay? Now there's two things that you should say. First of all, Paul says, speaking in tongues edifies or builds you up. And he says, by the way, I speak in tongues more than any of you. He didn't say, I speak in more tongues than you all, like I know like 12 languages. He said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And, and, and by the way, he's saying that builds me up. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, if you haven't spoken in tongues in a while, you find yourself a place and go build yourself up in the Holy Ghost. It's incalculable uh, what God can do in a moment. Like, I'm going to tell you, it's not counseling. It's not counseling. I, I, forgive me for the personal illustration, okay? I, I was at a Mark conference uh, I was in Bible college before I was married to my wonderful wife back there. And, and the Lord said to me in prayer, we're praying, I'm speaking in tongues. The Lord, Lord says to me in prayer, I'm going to heal you of that hurt. And, you know, I'm a guy. You know, I don't, you know, guys are not supposed to cry. It doesn't really work for me. But guys are not supposed to cry. And, and, and so what do we do? We repress our emotions, right? We distance ourselves. But I'm going to tell you, in that altar, Brother Lopez, I literally said to God, what hurt? And then the Lord began to unpack stuff and did something that night. I'm going to tell you, you can't do that in counseling. That's something else. And you need to understand that it's the gifts of the Spirit. It's praying in the Spirit. It's moving in the Spirit. You can't even say He's Lord yet unless you've had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So He's saying, I'm not talking about uh, in private. Okay, what you do in private is you speak in tongues. You pray and you speak in tongues and it's good. And you build yourself up in the faith. So every once in a while in an altar service, I'll go up and I'll be working with someone and they'll be worshiping the Lord and they're speaking in tongues and I'll, I'll ask them because, you know, it's a good thing to ask. What do you need from the Lord? And sometimes they don't know. I don't know. I just have a burden. Uh, other times I'll feel a little prompting from the Lord and I'll walk up to somebody and I'll say, in moments like this, when you feel the Lord on you this strong, just go after God because you don't know what he's doing in your spirit. You don't know what he's putting in your life by his spirit. That's what Paul says. He says, we speak mysteries in the spirit. And that's, by the way, it's in a small s. In our spirit, our spirit prays, not our mind. 
Aren't you glad you're not trapped by your own mind? You're limited to what you can produce and think. No, Paul said, now I'll pray with my understanding in a, in a public setting. It's not good to just stand up there and speak in tongues. But I'm going to tell you, God can give you that something else too. Now, now, but in service, he says it's better to pray with understanding. He said, do you pray in the Spirit? And by the way, he said, I will pray in the Spirit. He said, I will sing in the Spirit too. Anybody ever sung in tongues before? Yes. Uh, can you sing, Rev? Me neither. Not really. But the Lord, I, I've done it in tongues. I'm like, That's the supernatural help of the Lord. <laughs> and by the way, it's not really profitable to try to get somebody up to sing in tongues in front of the congregation. Paul said, no, that's some worship thing, a powerful thing between you and God. And it is worship. And it's beautiful. Should the Lord do that, right? Uh, but in a church service, he said, I would rather that you prophesy. Why? Because preaching benefits the whole. All right now, now he says also about prophecy. Uh, he says you need discernment in prophecy too. Why? Because not everything that comes along and tries to stand up and proclaim is of the of the spirit of God. That's why in Acts 16, uh, you see Paul has a, a lady up there and they're doing their thing and they're um, ministering. God's doing things. She says, "Oh, these men are men of God." And she starts following them around. Sounds pretty good, right? Great PR campaign. Except for Paul turns around, and, and literally the, the, the Greek is uh, a spirit of divination. Uh, it's a python. It uh, uh, came to be associated uh, because a particular uh, Delphic cult in uh, that particular time was associated with the pythons, like Tiamat, a dragon really. And it was supposed to be Tiamat who was slain, reincarnated, working in these people. All right, so it's, everybody say demonic. And that spirit, and it became to be known as divination. And so that's why uh, Paul says, this is not of God. This is something else. And you need to have enough savvy spirit in you to say, okay, that tongues is not of God. That's something else. I'll give you one further. He said the same things needed, you ready, in de determining whether or not a prophecy is good. Okay, uh, look at Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22. Uh, the Lord says, but the prophet, which shall presume, everybody say presume. Presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak. Or thou shalt speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. Thank the Lord we're in the New Testament and under grace. But I will tell you, judgment is still sure. It's just eternal hell. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't lie. Tell him, say, don't lie in the name of God. <laughs> okay, I know I'm wading into the deep waters. And, 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 and look at what he says. And if thou shalt say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? Has anybody ever wondered that? I don't know about that. By the way, Paul's saying, test every tongue, test every prophecy. He's saying don't be gullible. Why? Because there's spirits. Okay, we'll dive off into there. He says, this, how many of you want to know whether or not prophecy is true, right? This is what he says, you ready? When a prophet see, speaketh in the name of the Lord, and if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, uh, what does the text say? Well, the people that I spoke to just didn't have enough faith. Is that what the text says there, Brother Lopez? That's not what it says. Oh, it was a contingent prophecy uh, somehow that uh, they didn't somehow fulfill. No, it says, if you say it's going to happen, and he said, this is what it happened. If, it if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that spoke it, a prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Thou shalt not be afraid of him. Okay. How do you know a false prophet? It's very simple. What they say doesn't come true. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, test it. Okay, because uh, in Corinth, here they are. Are you ready? Uh, we, we can compromise with the Corinthian culture, but we can speak in tongue and think we're powerful because we have a prophet among us and the prophesying. We got all these tongues and gifts working. And, God, and Paul says, uh-uh. He says, that's a zero. All right, don't be uh, confused. I, I, we have to uh, jump on. All right, so he says, for, uh, verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all members of that one uh, body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now he's saying, look, if you build some type of, and I'm going to be as strong as I can be, idolatrous hierarchy of gifts that's not apostolic, okay, you will get, uh, uh, you will get yourself in trouble. Why? Because inevitably, when you lift up gifts and personalities, the elevation of that ego goes with it. Okay, so you get all sorts of fun little things happening, and it leads to the inflation of people's uh, ego. Um, you know, so the question would be, you know, do you have profit in your Twitter handle? You probably ought to take it out and become, uh, have a little more humility. Okay, because that type of thing can lend to corruption. Why? Why is Paul giving these directions? He's given us a principle of effective ministry in a church. He says gifts can be used to the detriment of believers and to the destruction of churches. They thought they were spiritual because they had all this. And Paul said, no, God's the operator. And by the way, uh, you've already demonstrated that you don't have knowledge in these areas. Okay. Uh, so uh, what does he go on to say? He, he goes on to say, God uses the emphasis of a body, how there's all sorts of members, uh, but there's only one body. It's a concert uh, of, of things that operate as a whole. Uh, and we'll, we'll skip some of that. You can uh, look at that uh, on your own time. But he goes on to say, in verse 25, why should we understand that just because I'm not the ear or you know, just because I'm not the I, just because maybe, you ready, I'm not the pastor. You know, no one really, no one really appreciates my giftings. No one, no one really appreciates what I do in the church. I, I picked up a piece of trash and no one took my pay, picture and put me on the bulletin. You know, uh, so that's the first extreme. And then the other extreme is, well, I'm so gifted I could barely even speak to these poor peons. Be, and you, know, you, you, you don't even care whether or not you're around the other, the body of Christ. It's like some people are like, no one loves me, everybody hates me, I guess I'll go eat worms. You know, they play the victim role, which is self-focused and about your flesh. Get over yourself and minister. And then the other people are, have such a big ego problem uh, that uh, ultimately they feel like they don't even have to ever be around the rest of the body of Christ. Who are you going to minister to? It's going to be a church of you. And that's why Paul says, like some big eye walking around. How, and that uses some pretty stream illustrations to show that this is ridiculous. And look at what he says in verse 26. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it, or whether one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. So what is he saying? Pain reverberates throughout the whole body. You ever smashed your thumb? You ever jump around after you smash it? Why? Because the whole body's like, yes, that hurts. Or uh, uh, Paul goes on to say, any glory given to one blesses all. Now, what's Paul saying? He's saying, if you get this one concept nailed in a church, you'll handle tons of issues. There will be less jealousy, less rivalry, 
uh, even, I hate to say it, among the ministry. Now, what, what would that look like? I, 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 let, me, let me just say it this way. You know what the greatest protection against the sin of envy is? You know what the greatest protection against the sin of jealousy is? Compliment somebody else for something they've done. And you're saying, you're saying well tonight. Uh, uh, who's playing? Forgive me. Gabby, where are you? Who's playing? Kevin. I thought they said Gabby. I was like, who is Gabby? Great, there's somebody new here. They've already made it to the piano, and I don't know their name. Okay, Kevin. Great job tonight. Who did? John Brown. It was John. You were up there? I know John Brown. Okay. All right, so you would say, great sermon tonight. Great teaching tonight. You know, a thank you for a leading. Sister, we'll thank you for organizing events. Thank you for being committed. Uh, a thank you for encouraging someone. I'm going to tell you, if you have pride, envy, or jealousy, you need to force yourself to get on a cross called complimenting someone else. And Paul said, when you understand that when everybody succeeds, that's when the body is safe. I need to pray for God to anoint my leadership because Brother Lopez is carrying a load. I need to pray for God to help all of you that are interceding and reaching and doing the work of the kingdom. Why? Because you, you think one person can do it all? <laughs> it's like, Brother Kilman, you know, could do everything. I, I wish I had you in like, uh, the other day, Brother Kilman, I wanted to call you about a Bible study. I was stumped on a question. I can't be everywhere. My wife already likes, like, okay, I want to be number one. I'm like, okay, I hear you. I've been overcommitted in other places. And so what that means is you need a, a whole body of believers to walk out into this city and be it. And so what Paul does, that wonderful 1 Corinthians 13, and believe it or not, I'm done. The whole, uh, what? Did you hear that utter disbelief from my wife back there? I'm, I'm going to sum up very, 1 Corinthians 13 very, uh, very easily. Paul says this, when you look at love, the, the Greek word uh, agape, in this context, is charity. And charity is specific. I wish we had time to look at the, how that English word came to be. But charity is, Paul said, uh, uh, if I don't have charity and I give alms. Charity's come to mean in American culture, just kind of giving money. But in the King James, every time they talk about giving money or gifts or clothing, they say give alms. That's not what they meant. Charity is love for your Christian brother and sister operating under the, under the reign of Christ. So he's saying, charity suffers long, it's kind. Literally, the Greek word, uh, Brother Santander, charity, charity puts up with all, everything, all things. If I can just learn to love my brother and sister the way God has called me to love, the way Christ has commanded me to love, then I can find that unity and gifting, all of it will line out. If it's built to the edification of the whole, then guess what? There's no egos. And when somebody gets up and preaches or sings and the spirit moves, you go, wow. Now, stand with me tonight. I looked over tonight in worship as Sister Leah Matthews was leading worship. And as I looked across, I mean, it was a good, beautiful move of the spirit. They were singing, by the way, the same song you were singing up here. And as I, I looked across the platform and down the steps I saw uh, little Winston Gallion with his hands raised uh, crying and speaking in tongues. 
See, when you understand that I got a 14-year-old son and I am thankful for a youth pastor that's invested because I cannot do this alone, Brother Lopez. I'm thankful for everything that Brother Lawrence Matthews and that wonderful Tim brother team, Brother Ryan Thomas before him. When I was talking to my son, I messed with him all the time. Poor kid. I'll pay for the psychology later. Uh, but I mess with him all the time. What did you learn tonight? What did you learn in Sunday school? I'm going to let him go to church and not pay attention. Because I'm a good dad. I'm oppressive. He was talking about Samson. He goes, well, they talk about Samson. I said, like that's ever worked before. That's not enough. Come on. And he said, well, Samson was strong on the outside, but he wasn't very strong on the inside. I was just like, wow. And that lesson is in my son, how? Because of a body. And this wonderful group that we're a part of, I promise you, if the devil can use egos, and he will fight it, he will try to get you crossways with somebody in this room. Slides imagined or real. Look, just get over it. We're going to say things. We're going to offend each other. We're going to step on each other's toes sometimes. Just we're going to forgive and we're going to go along. Why? Because we're a whole. And when the whole body succeeds, that's why I appreciate Brother Lopez allowing people to step up and intentionally develop their talent. Why? Because when the whole body succeeds, everybody, I succeed, you succeed by helping everybody else. Don't step on people. Don't have any ego. Because if you can't love your brothers and sisters this way, giftings are different. That's okay. Just because maybe you're not up here doesn't mean that you don't have a gift and you're not a part of this group. I, I uh, brag on you guys. You probably don't know it, but I, I probably shouldn't tell you this. I don't know if it'll hurt you or not. But I brag on you when I go away. I say, in my opinion, and I know I'm probably jaded because I love this group, Young Adults is the best face of Calvary Tabernacle for a new person to come in. Because when a guest comes in, you love on them. You meet them, you talk to them, you encourage them. And see, that's the body. It's like going and, and doing cleaning or setting up and tearing down. And I know not everybody can make it because of life circumstances. Please, I have a schedule, I understand. But I would tell you, the attitude that we're just going to help the church be the church. And when the banquet succeeds and when it looks nice and they compliment Brother Mooney, Brother, you hear Brother Mooney, watch him. He says, I want to thank this incredible team of people. Why? Because it's a whole. And when, they, when, when the banquet is a success, everybody in the body feels it. Would you do me a favor, if it's appropriate, I'll reach over, grab someone's hand, and uh, let's, let's pray for one another and encourage one another tonight. Lord, I, I thank you for this wonderful group of people. Thank you for my brother or sister, Lord, the person I'm holding their hand, God. The people, Lord, that we're linked with right now, Lord. So many giftings, so different, God. We know that this is your body. These are the people that you've set us in place with, God. We're going we're gonna to love people together. We're going to protect our leadership by creating unity. We're going to make sure the devil doesn't get our attitude crosswise. When somebody's struggling, and they walk into this group, Lord. We're going to lift them up. We're going to encourage them. We're going to be the body of Christ. Because when they suffer, Lord, we suffer. When they struggle, God, we're struggling with them. But we're a whole. We want them to succeed. We want them to rise up and get up from failure and hurts and pains. And make it through, Lord. Because we're all a body. 
We're going to make it together, Lord, because you've set us, Lord, with these people. We give you praise, Lord, for every gifting, God, every encouragement, Lord, for strong ministry, Lord, that will help us raise families and have, have brought us into the truth, Lord, and has kept us there. Thank you for your body. 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 In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm thankful for you. We need the body.